I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 86. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Tony. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. And Tony is the first guest who's not actually a mortgage broker. Tony has a law office and um, does a lot of transactions. And there's some cool things that he does that I think is a lot of overlap in our mortgage business. And so I wanted to talk to Tony. So maybe maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and your company and um, some of the cool things you guys are doing. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be the first non-broker to be uh, featured on, on the program. Uh, we have a law firm that's a little different than most. We uh, we focus almost exclusively on residential convincing. So as a result, all of our energies and efforts are, are dedicated towards that. So we have uh, a centralized production office in the lower mainland. And from that office, we manage 18 other locations, which are just used to meet clients. So as a result, it's very streamlined and, and a lot of systems and checklists and, and things just to make sure that uh, the files are done consistently whether it's a Kelowna, Nanaimo, Victoria, or a Coquitlam transaction. Right. So we focus a lot of time just on the process itself and, and the systems that go with it. Right. And so how did you, we talked about this before, but how did you get for, go from, you know, most law offices that I meet, they have an assistant, they kind of do some real estate, they do some corporate stuff and maybe some, a little bit of everything, kind of dabble in a bunch of things. But where where did the switch turn for you from going, okay, I'm going to focus on this one area so that I can scale it? Yeah, there's a, a kind of a couple of things that happened early to mid-90s that, that completely changed uh, how I view my business. So I, I think just by way of a bit of a background, I was always, I was always one of those lawyers who, uh, who wanted to be in the business world. I never really wanted to be a lawyer. So that's my background. And then when, when I joined uh, a couple guys out in uh, the Tri-Cities in the Coquitlam area in 1990, we had a typical suburban law firm that did a lot of real estate, wills and estates, corporate, semi-CBC work. And it, it evolved from there in, in a, a couple things. Um, I read a book, which I know a lot of your uh, listeners have read, The E-Myth Revisited, and that got me thinking. And then I had uh, lunch with a well-known Vancouver lawyer. It was kind of mid-1990s and we started doing a bit of volume and I think I had a second office at that point. We now have 18. And um, I guess we showed up on his radar screen. So he called my then partner and I down for lunch and he made a comment that just still sticks with me today. We, we talked about systems and, and, uh, and things that we do in our business and he said, you know, I just want you guys to remember that every time you're spending 45 minutes meeting the client, I'm spending 45 minutes trying to build my business to get bigger and take business away from everyone else. And that just really stuck with me. So for six months after that, every time I met a client, I was distracted and thought I should be building my business. I, sh I, I don't want to ignore the client, obviously, but I should be building the business. And so those two things, coupled with my background, um, I think just led me to, to view the law a little differently and view my business a little differently than, than most lawyers do. Okay, two two questions come to mind. When is the last time that you met a client, uh, you know, to, to sign for conveyancing? Well, I, I still do uh, for a variety of reasons. I mean, with staffing, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about staffing later on, but, you know, there's a few months a year where we're just full out. Uh, we, we can't take any more business and, and we're a little stretched. So there's times when clients are late or uh, we're double booked and I have to step in and, and see a client. And there's also times when it's, you know, really good friends that come in and I have to see them. So I still see the clients and that also gives me the opportunity to make sure that the documentation is still as we set it up and the, the procedures are still the same. So the last time I probably saw a client was 
uh, I, you know, I might see one or two a month, maybe four or five a month, uh, June, July, August. So I, I still see one or two a month. Right. So for some perspective, uh, how many transactions are you guys averaging per month? How many real estate transactions? We'll, we'll do, uh, last year we did about 4,400 uh, from, say, the low of 300 to a high of about 480. So about 4,400 transactions a year. So of those, I might see 20. Right. You know, and that was the first thing we had to do was uh, how do we um, have our other lawyers see the client and make sure that client experience is what we want it to be. So one of the very first things we ever did was we just sat down and typed out how we explain documents to the client and we created a script. And that's one of our very first binders that we have here and we still have it. And it's the lawyer binder. And that's, you know, how to meet the client and how to ask the question and what to look for for an answer and what document goes in what order and what to say for each document. So we know that even if we're doing 450 transactions a month and I'm only seeing five, the other 445 clients are still being given the same explanation as as I'm giving, as as our senior lawyers are giving. Right, I love that. So uh, the other question I was gonna ask before we dive into this more is, the guy that met with you, is he still in business? And if he is, is he, is he bigger than you or smaller than you now? Yeah, he's no longer in business. He he was larger than us, and I don't want to say too much about him because a lot of your brokers will know who he is, and some of them might be uh, some of your brokers might be grinning as we talk about it. But he was a well-known Vancouver lawyer. He did a lot of convincing in the '90s, and uh, he's what kind of uh, well, he's who terrified me, and he he's who got me thinking. Uh, about changing the way I do business. I was going to say inspired. You know, that sounds a little yeah. not terrified. Inspired, terrified. You know, it's different <laughs> different ways to explain the same effect. It really got me thinking about my business. Right. And I think, too, as mortgage brokers, we need to think about this just like you said. So often we do the same things over and over again and have a system, have a process. And because you spent the time building the systems and the processes, you can close 450 transactions in a month and maybe meet with four people at a time. And so I want to rewind a little bit back to when you first started doing this. So what was the hardest thing about, you know, you were still had the traditional office. What was the hardest thing about transitioning into this vision that you had for a system that was scalable? Yeah, by far the biggest difficulty was the existing relationships we had with our referral sources at that point. Because you, you got to think back then, if a realtor sent us a deal, they knew Tony was seeing the client and they knew that the client was receiving a certain level of service. Well, now that realtor was sending in a deal and we had uh, a younger, less experienced lawyer uh, meeting the client. And that realtor or that, well, brokers weren't really around in the early 90s. We didn't do much broker business. They had a hard time accepting that. Uh, and so we, you know, we probably lost a few files. We lost a few referral sources. Um, and the other thing was our, our corporate clients. Uh, and we had a pretty good corporate practice. We had to go to them and say, look, this is where we're taking our firm. Uh, you're going to be dealing with someone else. And we lost business, and we probably took a step or two backwards. But we had to do that to, to achieve our long-term goals of, of building a business. So that, that was the initial pain. Uh, those were existing referral sources. And, it, it, and we spent a lot of time early on, and still do, you know, educating our partners that it's not Tony or Dick Chan or... Nancy, that don't, that always see your client. It's it could be any one of a number of lawyers, but the service is the same. Right, because you're you're basically selling the system that you're exactly that you guys yeah, deliver exactly. every time. Exactly. So and, and you know I view it like a Starbucks. A latte is a latte. Whether I come up to Kelowna and you and I go for coffee, or you come down here, or I'm in uh, you know Palm Springs in the desert. A latte is made the same way. Well, we do a commence according to our system. And it's our system. It's something we've developed. And it's something that we continually change. We're 
we're actually shooting some videos next week here, training videos on on how to do a file. We're implementing a couple changes because we think it'll give to you know lead to better either client or referral partner experience. The brokers will be happy and or the clients will be happy. Right. Happier. And so how, how about on the technology side? So how important um, when you, so you have this idea, if you want to scale your business, you need systems, but how important is the technology? Maybe give us some ideas on some of the areas that you were either struggle with or on the technology side when you first started doing this. Well, technology is probably still my biggest frustration, just getting the darn computer to work. But we don't, we don't really have sophisticated technology. I mean, what we have is all uh, cloud-based, and we're in a data center downtown Vancouver, so we can access it from anywhere in the world where, where the Internet's available. So that's one thing that we have. But apart from that, we know we use a regular lawyer uh, convincing software platform. We use a regular uh, law firm uh, accounting software. We use Outlook, and I have a CRM program. And so, but we use it differently than most. I'll, I'll give you an example. Our um, our conveyancing software that generates all the land title documents that generates reports for us. For example, a, a referral report, so I can see how many files every single referral source has sent us. That's available to all three, four hundred lawyers who use that system. Our software people tell us that we're the only law firm that uses it, which doesn't make sense to me, and it's great for me. Right. <laughs> it makes my life easier. But it's, 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 it's not the, the technology shouldn't stop anyone from building systems. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the software has the ability to keep track of referral sources, but you're saying most people don't bother? They just sort of... Exactly. So what yeah. do you maybe... I'm, I'm, very for, I'm very fortunate in a way. Uh, there's a lot of very good mortgage brokers out there. I work with a lot of them. And there's a lot that don't want to work with me, but that's fine. They'll come around. Uh, but uh, lawyers aren't the most business savvy people, you know, in general. And so, you know, here's a very simple piece of software with a report that any lawyer can produce. They can see who's sending the business. They can send out a thank you card or whatever. And and they don't. So it makes my life easier. My level of competition is much lower than what you brokers experience. There's a lot of very good brokers out there. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of good lawyers out there. Right. And so give me an example of something you with that data you mentioned, Senator. So what do you do with that data? So how, how are you taking advantage of the fact that you know that, say, Bob Smith's office mortgage broker sent you 30 deals last year? Um, so what are you doing with that info? Oh, there's there's all kinds of ways we take advantage of that. We, uh, you know, I used to have tickets to the Canucks while our top referral sources got those games. I let them go because they became hard to give away. Uh, we uh, have Christmas gifts this year. We gave everyone uh, a spag dinner with our our spaghetti sauce and our pasta and our this and that. Not even our we even have spagnolo wine, and that going to our top 25 referral sources. And I could just pull out a report, and it gives me my top 25 sources. Right now, I just sent an email out yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be careful how I say this because some of the listeners might be offended. But we, you know, I have a little vacation property up in the Okanagan uh, at Predator Ridge, and I emailed our top 20 yesterday saying, hey, if you guys want it, take it. It's free. It's yours. It's sitting empty. Go ahead. So, it, you, you, you know, you, you thank those who send you the business. I think everyone should be doing that, and most of my competitors are not. It also helps the other way around, too. So, a broker calls up and says, you know, I send you guys all my business. Will you sponsor my client appreciation party? Well, I love when I can go to my reports, see that the broker maybe sends me a deal a year, and I get to phone back and say, you know what, if, if, if we're getting all your business and we're getting one deal a year, you might want to think of a different career. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't say it like that, of course, <laughs> but it's a great way to call people's bluff. <laughs> right, because you know the data. You have, it, you have the data in front of you. Exactly. One of the other cool things that you guys do, and I know this is on a specifically, you guys start most files online, so maybe explain that. Where, where did that idea come from? 
That came from a client, uh, I'll say five, six years ago. So the deal had closed, and I was speaking to the client after he called about an issue. And uh, he says, uh, you know, in this day and age, and this is six, seven years ago, like I said, or five, six years ago, he says, I should be able to start my file online. I shouldn't need to phone you and spend time on the phone and tell you how to spell my name. I should be able to just go there and enter my data myself. And I said, well, I, I, with respect, I, I disagree. I think clients want that conversation with the office and that um, that communication and, and that kind of stuff. So we, we disagreed. And then a few months later, I think I was just, bored one day and I thought, yeah, you know, why don't we try it? If nothing else, I get to say to people, hey, look, you can start your file online. So we, we threw out maybe 10, 15 questions uh, on our website and we're probably now in our eighth version of those questions and we now have uh, about 40% of our clients choosing to start their file online. So rather than call us during the day when they're at work or if you got their kids you know, activities, they can get the kids to bed, sit down in front of the computer at 9 o'clock at night or whatever time it is and fill out their form and send it and we get back to them within 24 hours with the confirmation and any follow-up questions that are required. And and so it's a it's it's been a great service for the client. It all came about because one client said we should do it. I disagreed. As usual, the client was right and I was wrong. Right. And in a sense, you're both right because, say, 40% of people want the service and 60 don't. But so how yeah. what kind of time do you think that saves your staff? It, uh, it it doesn't save us a lot of time, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes. I mean, it certainly eliminates a lot of phone tag. You know, that's a common complaint that we all get. You know, someone's trying to call me right now. I'm on the phone to you and they get my voicemail. So it eliminates that. When we call the client back, if we get their answer machine, we'll say, you know, give us a call back. Or if you like, go to our website, start your follow online and then you know, clients say, oh, I might as well do that. So it certainly, it saves the client frustration. It saves us 10, 15 minutes on the phone. Uh, but it also eliminates a lot of mistakes because clients would tell us how to spell their name. And oftentimes we'd misspell it. Or, you know, they'd, they'd say this and we'd hear that. They'd say F, we hear S. They say M, we hear N. And so by having the client input the data and type it out for us, it just, it eliminates all those issues. So there's, there's three or four benefits. Time is one of them, but the reduction of errors and the client uh, experience are all improved. Hey, did you ever do a comparison of the number of errors from the people who did the online versus the phone? Is there or is there a difference? No, no I, I don't have data on that. I mean, we, we all sit around here during our weekly coffee meetings and you see, oh, it's much better. The mistakes are less, but I couldn't tell you the mistakes have dropped 10 or 15 or 20%. We didn't track that data. But okay. We know it's better if that makes sense, but it's. I'm usually a big measurement guy. You know, I need to know the data, but on this one, I don't have it. I just know it's better. Right. So another thing I like to ask about is failure, because I know that sometimes, as you're an entrepreneur, you're a lawyer, but you happen to be an entrepreneur as well. And so, can you share an example of something maybe that in the the process of building this business for the last 20 years that was a failure for you, but looking back, you had a lesson that you were able to pull from it. Oh, it's spectacular failures. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you my biggest. The biggest was when Citizens Bank started. And Citizens Bank was, is owned by Van City, and they were going to be a virtual bank. And I think they still are a virtual bank. They have no branches. And they, they invited a few law firms and, um, and a couple title insurance companies to submit packages or proposals and how to do the mortgages nationwide. And from that, my partner and I at the time uh, started a company called the Canadian, Canadian Lawyers Network, CLN. And we built up this network of lawyers across the coast, and we traveled from coast to coast, and we had conferences, and we did this, and we did that. And the market just wasn't ready. It, it, we, we weren't even close. I mean, it, it, we ended up selling it. And, um, you know, but from a financial and time point of view, 
it was not my best move by any stretch. However, I will say that because of that and because of the time I spent in the boardrooms in Toronto, it, it, it is nice that I can call up so many people at the higher level of the, of the lender partners we work with and be able to get through. So if there's an issue, I can get through to someone. So it was a failure in terms of time and money, but it did give me great relationships. It opened my eyes up to a whole new way of doing business. Um, so, you know, was it positive with the glass half full, half empty? I, I, I'm so glad I did it, although I lost money and time on it. Mm-hmm. And so what would you say, like, if you could condense it down to what would the lesson be for someone who's, you know, think going into a venture that maybe has, there's obviously some uncertainty with it and some risks, or could you distill it down to like a, a, a soundbite for me? Well, I, I don't know if I can, you know, do your research and then go with your gut. Right. Just if you're going to do it, do it. If you're going to, in the words of a well-known Vancouver developer, if you're going to drown, drown big. Don't drown in a little pond. So if you're going to go into something, go in it wholehearted. Right. Go, go give it all you've got. Once you've made that commitment, execute as best you can. You might fail, but at least you gave it a great shot. And you're going to learn. And you're going to be better down the road. I'm a better lawyer and business person now than I was before I started that venture. Mm-hmm. Well, and so. and like you were saying, the one lesson could be that, yeah, some things didn't work the way you wanted, but you found the good in it by uh, taking advantage of the fact that you built these relationships that have helped you later on. So there's always maybe something you can take away from it that will help you later, right? Oh, absolutely. Everything you do uh, can have a positive effect. You just got to find it. So I want to ask now, because uh, I love the idea of building using systems to scale, because I think anybody who in our business who has a dream of scaling their business needs to think about systems. So but how when you bring someone in and you're trying to get them on your system, so how, what's the process like for hiring? Because if somebody comes out of law school or how do you convince them to yep. that your system, your way is the, the way they should do it? Well, we have a you know a protocol for hiring and the kind of person we we like to hire, um, and it's more about their personality and willingness to learn and willingness to fit in with the team that we have here. Um, but then once we hire that person, there's you know we spend the first day or two on just firm and our, our history, our mission, our vision, our positioning, our 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 brand and what that brand's supposed to represent and what you know how we want to portray that brand. And then we start working with them on whatever task they're assigned to do. So if we hire a, a, a new lawyer, for example, we hired two last year, after we get through that first day or two of the, the corporate stuff, we'll, we'll spend time with them in that lawyer binder that I referred to earlier. We'll have them sit beside, uh, say, say there's five lawyers here right now. They'll sit beside each one of those five lawyers for a couple of days uh, while they're doing appointments and sign-ups. And then the next few days they'll they'll do the appointment with our other lawyers watching them and listening to them and then we'll turn them loose but in terms of having them buy into the system all that's done before they're hired so we're very clear about who we are what we do how we do it you may have your way of doing it when you work at another firm and I'm certainly open to any comments or suggestions you have but I want you to kind of park that stuff at the door and do things our way. And if you're unable or unwilling to do that, well, let's just figure that out early and we'll move on. Mm-hmm. So it's about getting the right person in early. Um, so that's that's probably more of an issue with, we don't have a lot of success hiring senior conveyancers because the, what typically happens in a law firm is the senior conveyancer gets to run the show in terms of the real estate department. The lawyer doesn't want to upset the conveyancer and therefore the conveyancer runs the firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not how it's done here. 
we have a system that's been developed by the conveyancers and I and people who have come and gone, but that's how we do it. So if you come from a different firm and you're used to doing it that way and that way doesn't fit with our way, it's not going to work. Now, you can certainly tell us why your way is better and we'll listen to that and take what we think is good. But at the end of the day, this is our system. You, the, the new barista at Starbucks doesn't tell them how to make a latte. Right. <laughs> Starbucks knows what they're doing. Right, yeah, this is how you do it. The other thing I want to touch on, because we talked about this in the past, is that you had said to me once before that there's a sweet spot and mm-hmm. how that, you know, at a certain number of transactions, you're making money, and then when you go over, you actually lose money. So maybe let's talk a little, talk to me a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, well, let me give you some numbers. In the, um, I think it was 06 or 07, we did about 7,000 transactions. Uh, and we made, you know, a, a decent amount of money. It was, life was pretty good. And then two years ago, we did 4,600 transactions. We had 2,400 less transactions. And the bottom line was maybe off by thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, like insignificant. And and what I learned and what I what I learned along the way, but what really drove it home was every business has a sweet spot. And the example that you and I have spoken about is we'll take a broker who can do, uh, let's just say, ten deals a month on their own from beginning to end, the underwriting, the follow up with the documents, the thank you cards, all that stuff. If they decide to do the eleventh deal it will affect the service on all 10 of those deals. It affects all 10 deals. So they now need to consider hiring an assistant. But if all you do is, is 11 deals and you hire an assistant, that 11th deal is costing you money because the assistant is going to cost you more than the commission on that 11th deal. So you need to make a commitment, if, if using the example that, that I'm talking about, you need to get to, say, 15 deals a month You need to, in order to make it worth your while. And then you need to assist them for how you're going to get five more deals a month. You don't just want to, you don't just want to stay at 11 or 12. You want to grow it. So where are they going to come from? Where's your referral sources? All that. So in that example, you either want to stay at 10 or you want to get to 15, 16, whatever the sweet spot is with the assistant. Mm-hmm. Then you have another assistant perhaps. And again, you've got that same analysis. So for us, 4,500 transactions a year is, is not far. You never find your ideal sweet spot, but we're not far off because if I start doing if I did 5,500 transactions this year, I'd need another full-time bookkeeper. I'd need another senior lawyer. I'd need a full-time HR person versus HR, uh, a, full, a part-time HR person. I'd need uh, additional staff. I'd need additional resources, maybe more space, so which means more rent. So that extra 1,000 deals cost me money. I need to either get 3,000 more deals or just stay within the range of, of where that sweet spot is. So that that took a while for me to learn, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that's important for for everybody out there. Every business has it. And that was one of the failures of of CLN. We we uh, we were about to land an RBC contract to do their mortgages nationwide. All of a sudden, we had to hire a whole bunch of staff, like in the hundreds, thousands of square feet in rent, computers, phone systems. Well, the upfront cost was going to kill us. Mm-hmm. So you know we we were better off not getting that deal. Right. Or at least, or at least try and get it incrementally. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, sweet spot's huge, uh, and I think everybody out there will will appreciate that and understand that, and they they absolutely should, mm-hmm. because you can only do so much with what you've got, and stick with that or have a plan to grow. 
Right. And uh, you know what? You, ta- you taught me that lesson like several years ago. We met for coffee one time and you were telling me about how in your business there was a sweet spot. And I'm, I, that's, I was always, I've always remembered it and I've shared it with numerous people. Uh, and when I'm explaining about sort of, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how do, how far, how big should I grow and how fast? And then when do we add mm-hmm. people? And it's even though different businesses, obviously, you know, any mortgage broker who's doing 4,500 transactions a year is going to be, that's going to be a monster mortgage company. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, it's still the, the principle is the same. And it's about thinking about, okay, either stay where you are or be smart about the growth so that you yeah. can... And I struggle with that. You know, someone says, what are your plans? If you ask me today, I kind of like where we're at and we're just going to you know, work around the margins and just uh, and to keep our head down and work. And if you ask me tomorrow, yeah, I'm going to you know, get a little busier in Kelowna and the Okanagan and Prince George and Kamloops and wherever else there's volume. So it, that's, it's not like I've got it set in stone. It's, it's a moving goalpost. Right. Well, I really appreciate your time. Where can people find you online? Uh, well, our, our website's the best place, uh, bcrealestatelawyers.com, spaniololaw.com. I'm all over. <laughs> we have a person doing social media, so we're all over that. Just just search for Spaniolo on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. And- awesome. Well, anybody listening to this can find, there'll be show notes, there'll be a link to your website as well as to your uh, any of your contacts that we have. And I really appreciate your time, and I hope anybody listening is going to take the lessons that you've learned from growing your business and apply it to uh, our business. Thanks, Tony, for your time. Scott, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Thank you.